Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about Moneyball. We're trying to solve a problem here, Billy. Not like this, you're not. You're not even looking at the problem. We're very aware of the problem. I mean, okay, good. What's the problem? Look, Billy, we all understand what the problem is. We have to okay, replace- Okay, good. What's the problem? The problem is we have to replace three key players in our nope. lineup. What's the problem? Same as it's ever been. We've got to replace these guys with what we have existing. No, nope. what's the problem, Barry? We need 38 home runs, 120 RBIs, and 47 doubles to replace. The problem we're trying to solve is that there are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. It's an unfair game. This is a dramatic American math sports biographical picture. Directed by Bennett Miller. The cast includes Metro Man, Jason Orlean, Caden Cotard, Jenna Coran, Super Mario, and Bob Costas. I watched this movie on Amazon Prime. Joey, how did you watch it? I also watched it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I was trying to rewatch it during Thursday night football, and for some reason, the Amazon player was not working on any of my devices. I don't know if this is something you ran into, but I didn't have access to my beloved Moneyball. So. No, I actually watched it twice, um, both on Amazon Prime. I watched it on Wednesday, and then I watched it yesterday, and I had basically no issues. So Interesting. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I think maybe the, the power of Thursday night football was like blocking out any possibility for a different right, sport. Right, kind of like a blinding or like a light pollution type situation. Right. Where you're like, you have so much like uh, sports content coming at you. <laughs> the sports content like channel has been, or tube has been like completely filled up. So it's just not possible to stream any more sports through that tube. Well, it's fitting that, that that would be the explanation, considering Moneyball kind of mixes sports with science. So a very scientific explanation from you about why it wasn't working for me on Thursday. Uh, <laughs> but that's how we watched it. Um, before we begin our analysis of this film, we will succinctly summarize the events in our special 60-second synopsis. If you'd like to skip the synopsis, just scrub ahead 60 seconds right now. Billy Bean has been playing baseball basically since birth, but as the general manager of the Oakland Athletics, he has seen little success. When the contracts of three of his best players come to an end, he becomes desperate. After being tossed around in a meeting with Cleveland, Bean meets Peter Brand, an economics major from Yale. Brand believes baseball is far more scientific than most people think and has developed calculations for what makes a team successful. Defying the wishes of a hostile scout team and manager, Bean surges forward. He even cuts some of his best players in order to acquire overlooked gems highlighted in Brand's algorithm. Some of these players believed their careers were over. Others were never given a real chance. With Bean leading them and explaining his new approach, things start to change for the A's. Gradually, the ragtag team approaches, meets, and then surpasses the all-time win streak record, bringing home the W an incredible 20 times in a row. Brand is ecstatic, but Bean isn't as thrilled. Even when he is offered to manage the Red Sox using his new method, he declines, still believing he can lead Oakland to ultimate victory. The end. There you have it. The events of Moneyball. We'll get into it first with our pros and cons. Joey, what did you like about this film? Um, I really like Billy Bean. I thought he was a really great character. And uh, I'm just becoming such a huge Brad Pitt fan, actually. I uh, watched... Um, uh, bullet train twice i watched it with you and liesel and i watched it on my own uh, i watched uh 
uh, Ocean's Eleven recently. Uh, I I just think he's great. Um, one th- fun thing about Brad Pitt that I've learned recently is that he is a really good like eater on film it's very clear on this this film specifically (laughs) but like that's one of his like signatures sort of like how tom cruise runs in all his movies but brad pitt eats in all his movies and uh apparently this is something that he does really well so strange (laughs) but whatever i'll take it um the dialogue i think was really well written um i thought carrie or karis dorsey who is the little uh girl that plays uh, brad pitt's daughter it was so cute i cried both times uh that she plays a little song oh my gosh um i think the montages of announcers disparaging the a's which was a cool uh subversion from the typical sports montage you normally see and i think i i really like the idea of this story what about you yeah i agree this is a really interesting subject matter for uh, a film especially about sports and it the themes of this film, I think, transcend sports. I don't think you need to necessarily like baseball for this movie to be affecting for you. I think Jonah Hill and Brad Pitt were great, and they had great chemistry with each other. I really liked the kind of, you know, bold, kind of alpha Chad energy we got from Brad Pitt as Billy Bean, and then kind of like the nerd, shy, but like should be more confident about himself peter brand uh in kind of the partnership we saw between the two of them uh, i felt like i just really got into that the awkward high five after they got the trade deal done all that stuff <laughs> i also really liked uh philip seymour hoffman um uh, you know our uh, our new favorite from uh Synecdoche, new york He's uh, a great kind of mid-movie villain, you know, kind of stuck in his own ways and has this, he's a big obstacle for them to get around. Uh, and I, I think that uh, I, I just enjoyed him and his limited role. And uh, this movie's low-key funny, uh, which is great <laughs> because the rest of it's pretty much just dramatic. And it's a good, I think it's a good sports movie. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan. As much as I love sports, I don't actually really like that many sports movies. Um, and I came away with a positive feeling about this film. So let's turn it over to our cons. Joey, what did you not like about Moneyball? This movie takes two boring subjects and combines them into a boring movie. Um, I think the stakes are so low, they might as well just not exist. There's not enough characterization of the players. I feel like that's something that I was really missing. Um, I don't think it's a great sports movie. I know you said you think it's a good sports movie. I don't think so. And it does not imply anything redeeming about the sport of baseball. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with that. But I think that's kind of the point as far as like saying that it doesn't imply anything redeeming about the sport of baseball. Because the, the point they're making is that it's unfair. Um, I think that there's a lot more that's wrong with baseball. But that is one of the ch- my chief criticisms of it. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, some of my cons for it. I felt like I spent a lot of time staring at computer screens filled with stats that I couldn't understand, and I felt like they were left up long enough where if I looked closely at it, maybe I was supposed to be able to glean something meaningful out of it, but I don't think that was possible. And in general, I felt like I didn't really understand the strategies in a way that is like real. It was more just like, we're going with players who are undervalued. And they gave us like three examples of that. And then for the rest of the movie, it was just, we're getting another a player that we like. And we're not going to explain why. Yes. It was just kind of just magic that the players they got were ma- good but undervalued. And, um, and I feel like this movie didn't really try to get me to fully understand what was going on. Maybe that's to expedite the film. 
but I also felt like it made me not know who the team was. This is just Billy and and Peter and uh, Super Mario Chris Pratt, but that's it. <laughs> you know that it didn't pre seem- Super Mario. This is before he got short and stocky. This is actually <laughs> bef- <laughs> This is actually between Parks and Rec and Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a really interesting chapter in the Chris Pratt uh, kind of uh, saga that, you know, we're all privy to as movie fans. So <laughs> uh, those are our pros and our cons. Let's move on to our overall section. And we'll start with you, Joey. You know how sometimes you, you have two things and on their own, these things aren't the best or most interesting things. But through some sort of alchemy, you can combine these two things and make something really special. Kind of like oreos you wouldn't eat a bunch of vaguely chocolate flavored discs or a bunch of quote unquote cream but when they're combined (laughs) together i i can eat a whole package no problem this movie (laughs) this movie is not like oreos because it's two subjects baseball and economics are about the most boring things i can think of and when they're combined they make something about as equally boring which is moneyball wait 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 Wait, wait. You don't like economics? Economics? I, I, I like. I, I, my eyes start to glaze over. You know, I, I can, I can understand. There was a really great episode of Hidden Brain, my new favorite podcast, <laughs> about behavioral economics that just came out that I thought was very interesting, and it was studying like behavior. But I feel like I'm way more interested in psychology than I am in economics because I feel like economics is mostly. Uh, just witchcraft right <laughs> you, you you toss some bones in the, in the air and you're like uh wherever they land that's what the that's how it's gonna work you know i i, I think it's somewhat it can be fascinating i feel like we're gonna talk about the big short but i feel like the big short does a great job of romanticizing what economics could be but i think in general i find stocks um like the kind of like push and pull of markets and like business forces to be extremely dull i think it's all very like i think a lot of it's played up for nothing i think like ultimately you end up with like a couple of cents here and there and it just doesn't mean anything in the end interesting uh, have you ever listened to while we we're talking about npr planet podcast money? have you ever listened to planet money uh only with you it's <laughs> incredible i think that that you know there's a part of economics maybe you haven't been exposed to, or maybe it's just not for you, just like baseball. I know some people who love baseball, and I don't, so I get that. Um, and I guess it's just unfortunate that we've got a this pairing for you specifically, <laughs> because I actually love economics, and that was bringing that into baseball is what made it interesting to me for once. But I'd love to continue. Yeah, well, well, speaking of things I hate, uh, I'm a known <laughs> sports hater. I've been out here hating on sports and the people that waste their time following them all day long. So maybe this just isn't for me. But I actually love sports movies, especially baseball movies. A League of Their Own, Angels in the Outfield, Field of Dreams, Bull Durham, 42. I even say Fever Pitch is pretty good. But I think Moneyball misses something that other sports movies get right. Moneyball largely ignores the action that occurs on field and focuses on what happens in the manager's office, on phone calls, and inside the computer. <laughs> There's no big game at the end or even a notable rivalry. Instead, we get this montage of a winning streak. And that part is exciting and nail-biting, but it's all sort of undercut by Billy Bean when he says... It's hard not to be romantic about baseball. This kind of thing, it's fun for the fans. It sells tickets and hot dogs. It doesn't mean anything. Billy, we just won 20 games in a row. 
And what's the point? We just got the record. Man, I've been doing this for... Listen, man. I've been in this game a long time. I'm not in it for a record, I'll tell you that. I'm not in it for a ring. It's when people get hurt. If we don't win the last game of the series, they'll dismiss us. Bill. I know these guys, I know the way they think, and they will erase us. And everything we've done here, none of it will matter. Any other team wins the World Series, good for them. They're drinking champagne, they get a ring. But if we win, on our budget with this team, we'll change the game. And that's what I want. I want it to mean something. I think that Billy is wrong here, right? And I think that the movie is telling us that Billy is wrong here, right? That he should care that they won this record. But I do think that he's not completely wrong here. It's, it's weird that the movie um, focuses on this point of success, when, like, uh, that this is like a point of success, when freak trends like winning 20 games in a row are exactly the kind of thing a scientific approach to the game is meant to ignore. Sure, 20 wins means you're beating lots of teams, but again, Billy is right. We're not trying to win a bunch of games in a row. We're trying to win the whole dang show. I get that this... Di Go ahead. Do you have something to say? Well, I was going to say, he just said it, though. He's, in his mind, he's saying, I have to win a championship because that right. will make it meaningful, right? But why does he want to do that? Because he wants to change the game. That's the point here, is that he's going... That is the goal that he's reaching for, right? And he thinks the only way to do that is to win a championship. But that's not true. The movie ends up revealing to us that that isn't true. Billy is able to change the game regardless. Yes, I, I, I get that, right? And, but I don't really understand where this kind of motivation for him to change the game necessarily comes from either, right? I, I feel like what he really wants is to win, you know? And what he describes as winning is, in this case, changing the game. But it's not like he was looking for a way to completely... I guess he was looking for a way to change his approach but it wasn't looking for something that was going to completely revolutionize baseball he was just looking for an edge over his opponents right in the beginning he's like we can't keep thinking the same way we got to think of something different but he's not necessarily trying to uproot the whole system right but ultimately that's what he ends up with well i i think he is though the way because you have to look at billy's backstory right billy was this unbelievably high potential prospect out of high school a five he was a hot he guy was, he was the hottest boy in, in, in high school right all the old men couldn't stop staring at this little boy in high school <laughs> because they knew how great he was going to be and their scouting methods failed him all these experts the people who had been doing this this is the way we've done it for hundreds of years couldn't see that billy was not a the prospect that they said he was he was right. not the prospect that they sat across the kitchen table from billy's parents and told him not to go to college to be you know they 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 completely missed and this science the reason why billy knew 
that he could trust Peter. This Peter was like, no, nah, you're a ninth rounder, no signing bonus. You're a risk. You're yeah. a gamble, uh, a, a, uh, you know, a sleeper pick at best. You're not this number one franchise guy straight to the Mets type of uh, player. And Billy says, that's what I'm looking for. That is what is going to help me to avenge the, you know, the, the, the right, right. biggest mistake of his life, uh, which was to believe these scouts and go into baseball young. So, uh, or to go into baseball at all, maybe, you know, maybe he goes to college and then doesn't even go pro after that. Who knows? But he, at that decision point in his life, he went pro and that ended up being, you know, so terrible. That's why he wants to prove these scouts wrong, that they, they don't get it because now he's found the truth something that um you know everyone else is blind to okay i i I can't argue with that i think i think you're right about that uh i'm i'm still left with these weird feelings with this story first of all i don't feel satisfied with the end of the sports game uh despite the success of the team right and and part of that is because of billy's speech there, there right where he says like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if they win 20 in a row and i i know that he's He's eventually like proven wrong, right? And we're supposed to not really believe him in this moment, and that he is kind of delusional. But it's hard when your protagonist is like, <laughs> "I don't, I don't like this." For you to, for you, the audience, to not like be on board for that, you know. Yeah. Second of all, what is baseball's deal? Why does this story even exist? Peter, Billy, and Bill James are all threatening the way they do things around here. But I don't really understand why it took until 2002 for baseball to realize that you can measure success with something other than your gut. It's not like the games are being decided based on how hot the players are. So why is this? Why is that the strategy when recruiting them? Okay, so this is getting into kind of like the nerd side of baseball yes. recruiting or, or even sports recruiting in general. But there's so much more that goes into prospect scouting than like the box score metrics. Not to mention the um the fact that box scores aren't the best way either like your sport doesn't necessarily have the stats to track the things that are actually important to your sport that's why right now <laughs> in the nfl there's this whole explosion of advanced metrics expected points above average is the new uh epa is like the new uh favorite three letters of any uh you know football analyst because it shows you not just how well your player is playing it's how much better they're doing compared to other players in the same situation right um or versus a a more a different situation like throwing uh, a 10 yard pass on third and 20 is less valuable than throwing an eight yard pass on third and six right one of those is getting you a first down and the other one is just empty yardage that gets you nothing right so um you know this is something that is, is a constant battle exactly exactly this is my point this is my point is 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 that you you're what you're pointing out here is that the game is constantly evolving based on new things so why is that not like uh why is that not a a million dollar movie you know what i mean and the reason is because baseball is so freaking far behind everyone else (laughs) that when somebody comes in with a calculator once they're like oh this is such a revolution but the truth is that people have been doing that for other things constantly to the point where it's just freaking normal Right, no, and I agree. And it, but Moneyball, for better or for worse, is credited with starting that. But like when people do that in football, it's like, well, why do you have all these tiny little running backs on your team? That doesn't make any sense. There's bigger, stronger, faster guys out there, and it's like, yeah. oh no, this is like a Moneyball thing, you know? Um, <laughs> it's like it doesn't. So is Moneyball like, this these is, is like the go-to for every 
every time this like this this kind of stuff. I guess in sports, right? It's a, at Anytime least in a my revolution experience. in statistics, right? In well, it's, it's yeah, it's statistics, and it's like it's cutting through like perceived narratives, right? There's this right. narrative of like if your quarterback doesn't have big hands, he's not going to be any good. Right. And that has sure. been proven wrong on multiple occasions. Another one is if your quarterback's not big enough, he's not tall enough. And again, obviously, I'm going to reach into football because that's the sport I know. <laughs> but it's like these are all things that um, while like old regimes have always said that uh, it ends up not necessarily being true in all cases. Again, a lot of times these things are a standard because they, they have a history of working out. Of working. Yeah. Right. Uh, but it's those players that don't fit the mold that still have that potential that give you uh, an edge when you're able to identify it, right? So uh, again, I don't know if Moneyball truly was the first time this happened. Saber metrics or whatever is what it's called. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that being uh, like adapted, but that's what it seems to be, which is why it's important here. It's something that they can point to and say, this was the first time somebody did it to the point where everyone else had to stop what they're doing and reevaluate. What's funny is in this movie, they say, you know, we have, it doesn't matter what the, his defense is on first base. Defense doesn't matter as much as getting on first. And apparently, since like this season happened, that that thinking has changed. And they're like, actually, right. defense is really important. It's less important to get on base. And and you know, the, it's not like a hard and fast rule. But to get back to, I guess, just what we're saying is there are some pretty silly things that sc- scouts in sports and even fans who are like like thinking what their team should do look at to say that's what we want we do want a quarterback with a hot girlfriend we do want the quarterback yeah. who has the biggest foot size or something like that because that's what it means <laughs> he walks into the great. room and his dick's already been there for two minutes exactly <laughs> exactly right that stuff's real which is why it was so cathartic to see that get slapped down because there's still things like that that happen you know um there's still players who get because you know there's draft profiles for any prospect in any sport and you can see the things that they're um you know disqualify them to be great players and then when they end up being great players you can look back at that and be like how silly was this who who wrote this they don't know anything about the sport and it's because conventional wisdom told them that right that it's just what you determined conventional wisdom to be i like okay i i don't I don't disagree with anything that you're saying, right? What I what I find frustrating is that this is such a big deal. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I feel like this is something that is so obvious to everyone, right? And what's so like what's crazy about this story? Well, I don't know what's crazy about this story, but like what this story is is like the perfect embodiment of the American dream, right? It's somebody figures something out that everyone else thinks is crazy. And then you become really successful because you believe in this thing, right? Because you, as an individual, had to forge a path on your own. You are like the 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 guy, you know. You you did it. But I don't necessarily believe that's like as common as we like to think it is, right? And I think that it's far more. What's far more likely is you come to someone and say, "I have a good idea," and you say, "This is why I think it's a good idea," and they say, "Yeah, I think you're right. Let's see if we can do that," you know. And I don't necessarily like subscribe to this idea that like oh you just need you know one smart guy to come in and and uh and no one's gonna believe anything he says because he's gonna like you know he's kind of nutty and uh you know this idea is so stupid um obviously that does happen right obviously it happened in this case right i just don't really um i feel like that's a an indictment on the institution far more than it is 
a um, feature of Billy Bean or people like him. Does that make sense? Definitely. And I, I also I think both can be true at the same time, though. I think you can say that Billy Bean and Peter Brandt's comp, like team up was visionary and also say that baseball is completely blind and has struggled to keep up with the times for uh, forever since people stopped caring about it in the 50s or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> true. Totally true. Um yeah, so I mean that's this is why the movie is so much like the big short. It's not just Brad Pitt, right? It's also that he's the smartest <laughs> guy. And he's also that he came up with a solution or had was part of a solution that was so like um you know, that was so revolutionary, right? Nobody in the big short believed that the housing market would collapse. And so these guys got in and, and got out with like a lot of money. Nobody believed that baseball could be uh, put in a computer and calculated. And, <laughs> um, and Billy Bean proved them all wrong. Um, and yeah, I, I, what I, what, but I think the differences here, the reason why I like the big short so much and why I don't like this movie hardly at all is because the big short is about the collapse of the global economy. And this movie is about a baseball team that doesn't win enough. <laughs> it's not even that they're the worst team. I actually looked this up and they had a they only won one more game the year at like the year after than they did the year before. And it was um uh, you know, they, they they didn't even have the the least amount of money in the league or anything like that, right? They were making it to the playoffs. They were winning games. They just weren't winning enough games for people to be happy. Oh, no. You know, like the stakes, I feel like, just are never established here. Oh, no. Three big players are leaving, but they were drafted using the old system. So are they even any good? Oh, no. Brad Pitt's daughter thinks he'll lose his job, but he's the one that's firing people left and right. He doesn't seem worried at all. Oh, no. I, he can't get any more money, but he, he has almost $40 million. That seems like a lot of money. I don't like I don't have a, lot of, a good context here. Like, <laughs> obviously, the Yankees have way more. Right. But like, in, like, I guess the Cleveland Indians have way more. Speaking of outdated institutions, that <laughs> giant <laughs> caricature of a Cleveland Indian in the in the lobby is so jarring in 2023. It's so crazy. Um, anyway, um, but like, oh, and, and then when he wants to buy a player that he can't and he can't get the money for it, he puts up the money himself. So like, where is the stakes here? Like, wh why should I care? Why should I give a crap for the Oakland A's win? What is at stake? Why does Brad? Why? What does Brad Pitt have to lose at any at any moment? Well, I'm I'm, a, I'm assuming you're actually asking these questions. They're not all rhetorical. Yes, go ahead. Because go ahead. Um, so. The okay, so first off, the three big players that they had, those are an example of why the system is so rigged against the, the poorer teams because those players become worth more money by playing right. well for the A's, and then the, the other teams can be like, Oh, we'll take them, and then just we're a farm for the Yankees, yeah, that exactly. Was, offer, them more, offer them more money, so even if you're able to do what you're supposed to do to get better, right, which is develop your own players, that doesn't work either because as soon as their contract is up, they can go play for someone who will pay them way more money, not just a little bit, way more money that you yeah, can't yeah. even compete with that, right? Um, then Brad Pitt's daughter thinks he's going to lose his job. Yeah, he definitely could lose his job. That I think that's pretty well established. And think about him. He has been a... In baseball, his entire life, he went from being, uh, you know, in high school to being a professional player, failing out of that, immediately becomes a scout, works his way up to becoming a GM, and then now he's very publicly risking it all and looking like an idiot while he's doing it. Everyone is like the O's, the, the O's, the A's are 
uh, you know, completely self-destructing here. And it's Billy Bean's fault. You know, he, this guy is front office cancer. So he's really putting it all on the line here to potentially become unemployed, which again, you can be like, oh, maybe he's got enough money saved up or whatever. But he also, I, I, I understand. I know. And he says that like, I'm, I like, I'm a 44 year old guy. I have a high school degree and I'm trying to send my daughter to college. Right. 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 Like that, that's, what's at risk here, but he never seems worried about it. He, I think he and, seems kind of worried about it. He's constantly like throwing furniture and like flipping his yeah, desk Yeah, well, that's over. just how he is. He's always been like that. <laughs> He's, that's a pretty consistent Billy Bean characteristic is throwing shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but really, it's about what's going on internally with him. Clearly, being a huge prospect that fell apart has completely obliterated him. He thinks that there's this cloud of doom that is floating above him that is always yes. going to make his life terrible right and he's putting all his chips in to make this thing work against all odds billy bean is finally going to come out on top that's the stakes is he will he be able to succeed in a situation uh finally where you know he he's doing something that he believes in or will this end up being his final failure the thing that finally turns him into the husk of a of the man he used to be uh after he completely like bottoms out as a gm as well Okay, so I think you're making the case that, like, this is, like, the, the beauty of Moneyball in a way, is that it is technically the truest form of baseball, because he is, even though he's changing the way that they think about baseball, it's still about putting all your chips in the line, and still believing in something so hard, and, put, and going as hard as you can into it, and, and trying to win, which is, like, you know, the sport's uh archetype yeah sure say, I, right? I would go beyond i would say it's not even specific about baseball it's about success and failure it's about right. being able to um put your all into something that you believe in no matter how much other people tell you to stop all the signs are telling him to give up all the signs are telling him because here's the thing as the oakland uh a's gm he has every excuse to be like well we still have the money we, we put the team out there that we could, and that's how good we're going to do. But he said, that's not good enough. I'm going to do better than that, even though nobody believes that that's possible. And even the people who I'm try who are sp- like presumably on my side, my scouts, completely hate that idea. And uh, don't, you know, everybody at every turn is, is turning against me, except for my, my guy, Peter. So it's, it's this kind of like uh, triumph of the human spirit to be able to push against that and say, I believe in this and I'm going to keep going because um you know i'm not going to give up yeah okay but i don't feel like there's enough I, I, I like there's a lot of dissent right there's a lot of people saying like we're taking calls about why we should fire billy bean like yeah. billy, we're calling for billy bean's head any thoughts <laughs> and uh <laughs> and um you know he the, the, the all of the announcers are giving all the credit to art how uh he's um you know, everyone's call, like who, who calls is like you lost your mind, Billy. His daughter seems worried about him, but th- I, I just I don't feel that drama within Billy uh, at all. I don't see it on I don't see it within him. Right? He's frustrated that people aren't listening to him and that things aren't going his way. But I don't feel like he's worried that like this is all going to fall apart around him. Uh, and it's not like uh, the owner is calling for his head, right? And, and it's not like when he's listening to this or when you're hearing about it, he even seems to notice, right? He, the, the TV's on and they say, Art Howe is the reason why the Oakland A's are winning. And, um, and Peter's like, can you believe this? And, he, and, and, and Bean's just like, oh, uh, I just heard him say, 
we won seven in a row. You know, he doesn't care. He doesn't care like that he's getting bad press because he's like he knows that it's going to uh, it's going to work out in the end, basically, right? And um, we do see some of that doubt creep in at the end when he's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter unless we win the whole thing. But to me, that's like a it's a moving of the goalpost type thing, right? This is the this is the constant uh, like I have to be winning. I have to be winning all the time. Yes, you're no. That's exactly what it is. It is moving the goalpost. Billy Bean can't be satisfied. That's his problem. He's not going to allow himself to take the W. He's always going to say it's not good enough. And that's why Peter Brandt is such a, like, he's such a genius, not only because he was able to bring in this Moneyball thing, but he's also able to finally get through to Billy when he shows him that scouting film, which is so fitting that it's through scouting film, this thing that they are constantly looking through, this metaphor where he shows him that like kind of portly uh, baseball player who is able to like, who always stops at first. And then the one time he tries to go beyond that, the one time he tries to uh, go beyond what is like the recommended level of achievement for him, he kind of flops around and tries to scramble back to first without realizing that he had already hit the home run. He needed to just take the, the, the victory. You know, he needed to allow himself to have a win. And Billy finally at that point takes the, 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 the victory. He accepts that he did change the game, even if they didn't win a, a whole championship, you know, which is definitely an unconventional, less obvious ending for a sports movie because it's not him and like the guys like holding up a trophy and being like, yeah, you know, we did it. Right. It's, it's right. way more subtle than that. Um, it, but that so I, I agree that it's maybe not as satisfying in that way, but I, I still think it's meaningful. Okay. You've kind of already answered this question, but something that I I found really bizarre about this is how, like, this movie's all about economics and about how, like, you have to buy the right team to win games or whatever, right? But everyone sort of just agrees that, like, winning is better, you know? We have to be winning. <laughs> winning is the way to win. Like, we have to, we, like, we will spend as much money as it takes to win, you know? <laughs> and I just don't really understand, I didn't ever get the connection about, like, why that was so important. I understand why it's important to Billy. And I, I, I feel like he has this complex, right? And this is why he's, he's a great character, I think, because he's clearly, he's got some good talent, but he's also got all these things that are wrong with him. And I understand why he like it's important to him specifically, but it's so weird that he has to like convince the team that they should be caring about winning that like the scouts and the um, owner all like don't necessarily seem to care that much if they're winning, you know, it's all like, oh, we're just going to, um, you know, we're just going to play and then see what happens or whatever. It like it's like oh it'd be great if we won oh it'd be it'd be great if we won but like nobody seems to be wanting to take the extra effort to make it happen and I just don't really understand why like winning is such a uh, okay maybe I'm getting this confused then because everyone else no one else seems to care well no one else seems to care about winning well I'll, except for Billy well here's here's one of the reasons why and again this goes back to what makes Billy different because as the GM of the Oakland A's he's got no resources. Everyone would be okay if they just lost a bunch because it's they have an right. excuse, right? And that's how the players are feeling. The players are like, we play for a team that's clearly poorly managed and we don't have a lot of money. We all suck. We know each other. We are all misfit toys. Nobody wants us to play for the baseball team. So it makes sense that we're losing a lot. Uh, so I don't care. I'm going to have a good time, you know? And right. Billy does something 
again, because b- what Billy's having to do here is adapt, to change. Uh, one of his kind of uh, modus operandi is that he doesn't talk to the players because he wants it to be easy to, to cut them when it comes time to do that because baseball's a business. You make roster moves. is what you have to do, right? But he decides... No, I'm not going to be able to succeed with this new method unless I'm willing to fully commit to it. So he goes in yeah. there and he gets in their face and says, you guys need to care about winning. We're not going to win if you guys don't care about winning. Uh, because that's, again, a different standard than what these players are used to, which is we play for a bad organization. We play for a bad team. We don't need to be sad that we're losing. It's normal, right? That is the expected outcome. So he had to kind of shake them awake and say, no, this is we're changing things. and you that comes from you guys as well i mean you see throughout the rest of the movie he's in there basically being their coach telling them like you need to swing for these and don't swing for those uh no bunting stuff like that uh so i i think that is kind of him having to change because uh otherwise the players are just going to stay complacent okay all right Go ahead. I agree. This movie is not a uh, a conventional sports movie, but that's one of the things that I I like the most about it. It I really enjoyed the the general manager moments of this film. It's an important part of sports, pro sports more specifically, but sports in general. I feel like that mostly only true sports nerds appreciate. Let's be clear: sports are just as nerdy as the nerdiest fandom out there don't i know that like jocks or whatever like like to think that's like oh you play dungeons and dragons that like you're such a dork fantasy football is aptly named okay it's just as dorky and just as nerdy it's part of why i love it because i'm i'm a i'm a dork i'm a nerd you know and 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 it fits right into that uh, especially when you look at the game from the perspective of general made manager striking deals building the perfect roster all of sports are rpgs if you're a general manager gms are like pokemon <laughs> trainers and their players are pikachu and charmander and magic carp and what if you were the first trainer ever to decide to train your useless magic carp and you ended up with the first gyarados that's what Moneyball is. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny, right? This is, I was thinking about this the whole time. Like this is this is just a fantasy football fantasy. You know, this is <laughs> yes. like what every fantasy football player thinks they are or or wants to be like. Is they want to be Billy Bean. They yes. want to go, be like <laughs> I have a great idea for how to win, and I'm going to do it by by being the best manager ever. The scenes from this film are used in fantasy football memes daily. Like the one where he's like, <laughs> "Hey, I like I can let you have you know Ramirez for almost." nothing and why would you do that because i'm awesome and then like the caption is like when you're about to rip off your friend in fantasy football you know like <laughs> um you know because like uh you know, early in the movie, Billy isn't able to make deals because he sees players the same way that other GMs do. They both evaluate them on the same sort of metrics. So, of course, if Billy thinks a player's good, they're going to think a player's good. And obviously, they're not going to want to give them up, right? And Billy's team isn't any good when he tries to trade for other good players because you know they're, they're perceived the same. Once Billy implements the money ball strategy, he's able to move players easily because he doesn't value the baseball players the same way that other GMs do. Rival GMs jump at the chance to make moves with Billy because they perceive them to be clearly one-sided in their favor, but really, Billy knows that he's coming out on top. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're coming out like uh, you know, poorly either, but that that's right. we can we can talk more about that when we talk about how money ball scales. So, yeah, I think that that's something that's important to focus on 
in that. That's kind of the genesis for this film. You got to have that cool concept. And again, I don't know. I was seven years old when this movie, when the events of this movie happened. I don't really know if the Moneyball kind of the the immersion of Moneyball really was as fundamentally like shifting for evaluation of players as this movie portrays it to be but as a viewer of the film i'm going to accept what i'm shown and that i think is a really cool concept uh to be able to kind of go against the grain again similar to what we see in a movie like the big short where you're like whoa we're the only ones who know about this how do we capitalize on this right that's like a very cool that's the ideal right because if you come up with an idea that other people agree are is good then someone who with more resources or who is smarter than you can do a better job but if everyone else thinks that you're stupid then that's the ideal situation because then you're the only one who's going to capitalize on it. Right. You can prove them all wrong, uh, especially right. when uh, they're... That is, isn't that the American dream to <laughs> yeah. say, I was right, yeah, that's right. you were wrong? <laughs> I told you so. Is like, I told you I so. Think that's I what believe that is. George like, Washington said after I'm pretty the sure it's British... written on some of our money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the $100 bill. I think it says, I told you okay, so. Okay, honestly, that would be so badass. Uh, <laughs> that does feel very American. <laughs> um, but the, the, the thing that I think makes Moneyball a great sports movie is that the concepts in it transcend the sport, right? Billy's story shows us an idea that goes beyond baseball. Uh, you know, Billy isn't afraid to stand up against the, st- the system and stick to his guns when he believes he's right. He's willing to risk it all, in, you know, which is his whole baseball career, the risk, the chance of failing out of baseball as a total failure in both being a player and being a general manager uh so like doubling his losses essentially um after (laughs) double or nothing right uh, he really is double or nothing and 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 um but you know he's he is able to be proven right and ultimately makes a lasting impact on a huge system that he knows is flawed Uh, you know going back to the beginning talent the talent evaluation system failed billy he was told that the sky is the limit and experts said he'd be this great player, ready to go straight to the pros, skip college, focus on baseball. And in reality, he couldn't even hack it in the minor leagues, and he fizzled out as a disappointment, which he even got to suffer for longer than most prospects because his potential is so high, they were willing to keep giving him chances, so he just gets to keep failing and failing and failing, right? And this clearly had a dramatic psychological effect on Billy to the point where he can't even attend baseball games that he cares about. Right, he thinks that he's this kind of infinite bad luck generator. That if he shows up at the game or or watches it, then his influence is going to be the downfall of the team that he cares about. Right? Which I love this, dude. I I, I really like that because Billy's like straddling both sides of this. Right? The the extreme superstition and then like the embrace of like a very cold scientific method. Right. And he's like right there in the middle of it because he believes so much. Like, it's so it's hard not to be romantic about baseball. Right. Um, <laughs> it's it's he believes so much in like the the beauty of baseball, but also that it's like just totally broken. Yes. <laughs> and and um, I love that, like, no, even when he's like t- completely embraced Peter Brand's strategy, he still can't rid himself of his own superstitions. Right. Yeah. Right. 
it's it's that ingrained in him you know this is the the, the battle that's going on for his soul uh like f- through baseball side note though i want to take a, a side note and say the sequence where he's watching where he decides he's like oh we're up 11 i can go watch this game and he shows up and he watches his team blow an 11 point lead and the biggest regular season game was so incredibly relatable every sports <laughs> fan has watched as everything that could go wrong did go wrong in route to their team disappointing them in the most humiliating way i think we've all been there uh and, and uh, it was great to see that in a movie where it's like because when you're watching the movie you're like no way they really just giving up run after run after run this doesn't make any sense and it's like actually this is the most realistic sequence of the film so far like this is exactly what happens especially when you're the most invested and everything is on the line it's like of course yeah. my team finds a way to disappoint me worse than anyone else has been disappointed i mean being a sports fan like being a fan of a team i would say you can be a sports fan without picking a team but being a fan of a specific team it's it, you're you're a bit of a masochist if you do it because more times than not it is going to be as agonizing pain uh, the vast majority of the time it's going to be agonizing pain uh in baseball there's only one champion everyone else is a big fat loser that's big right. time at the end of the season so uh yeah that's what you're signing up for anyways back to <laughs> this movie specifically stacked on top of billy's failed playing career he has his failed marriage and now he's failing at being a gm Without the coffers of a big market team, Billy will never have the resources he needs to win the World Series and avenge his failed playing career. But through the Moneyball method, Billy is not only able to prove he's smarter than the scouts that so poorly evaluated him, but also impact the game in a way that shows that he's a great GM to kind of uh, show that he is still capable of success, uh, especially within baseball. Billy loves to beat himself up to the point where he can never let himself enjoy success. The streak means nothing to him, and he decides that he only cares about winning the last game. Even the money that he's offered by the Red Sox means nothing to him because he sees winning the World Series with the A's as the pinnacle of achievement, and he won't settle for less. Like Taking the job with the Red Sox would have proven that he's a great GM. Literally everyone would have known he'd become the highest right. paid GM of all time. He's not willing to take that. Um, although I do think that it's a more complicated decision by the end. Um, but Peter is able to get through to him. Like we said, with that scouting film to show him that player who never gave himself the opportunity to accept the win. He stopped at first, no matter what. Um, and sometimes, even though it probably was a good decision for him to stop at first, most of the time he would have failed. Otherwise, Sometimes you have to just say, I actually did succeed and allow yourself to enjoy that, to run the bases. I feel like this undercut a little bit when he pulls out the giant inflatable hammer that's labeled metaphor and hits him over the head with it. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. I've I've like looked at other people's analysis of this film and a lot of times they reuse that that clip of him saying, it's a metaphor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, in the end, Billy decides, like after, I think that changes him. I think Peter ends up changing Billy's mind through his influence through Bunnyball, but also through his ability to communicate with him as his closest friend in this film. And so, you know, at the end of the movie, you're like, oh, I guess he'll probably go with the Red Sox and then maybe go win a World Series and that's our happy ending. But in the end, Billy decides to stay with the A's. And I think it's left intentionally kind of ambiguous, maybe to uh, absorb the literalness of them literally feeling, it's a metaphor. But... I think he's a changed man after that. And he is willing to allow himself to have wins 
after this experience, uh, especially with the fact that he has a daughter that loves him, right? That's almost avenging the relationship he has with his wife. His, his yep. marriage failed, but he's still able to be a great father. So he wants to stay close to that, which means staying in Oakland, staying with the A's. Um, I love the, uh, yeah. the, the quick cuts between him like throwing stuff and then him being like so sweet to her, you know, yeah. like <laughs> the, tossing that chair into the, wall, the hallway. And he's like, and she's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm probably fine. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. And, and she was funny. so sweet. And, and again, that, that's, I think that that kind of the undercurrent of all like the emotions with Billy are really what make this movie interesting because if you look at it just at the surface level I agree it's kind of underwhelming that they don't go on to do anything beyond that 20 win streak they even lose like in a similar place as they did last year with like just like the traditional we have three good players and they're the reason we win this proves that you can't take approach baseball from a bean counting point of view (laughs) I thought that was a pretty good pun, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, um, but I think that also, like you said, it's kind of like real life. You're kind of trying to take something that really happened and form it to fit your movie. So I think there's a little bit that's lost in translation there. But overall, I felt like Billy was inspiring to me in, in his ability to stand his ground, fight for systematic change, and also never give up despite having failed so many times. I think he's a great manager, actually. I feel like he's 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 always there for people when they talk and talk to him. He's very he's he's pretty clear about what he wants, right? I do think he could be a little more explicit about what the strategy is. Because ultimately it comes down to I like this guy. I don't like this guy. And they're like, <laughs> I guess we can't talk about this anymore. Because we don't have I'm not able to explain to you, which I think is an interesting element of the story. But um, you know, I, I think that he's he's very fair. He's very he's very straightforward, and he like he's also like stands up for himself, right? He doesn't let himself get pushed around or anything. He he when he when push comes to shove, he stands his ground and, and tries to like make that happen. And then he he fills in those gaps too, right? He comes in and becomes the manager that Art, Art Howe isn't. And he becomes the uh, um, you know he 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 he, fill, he finds a new way of doing things and and gets to the truth so quickly. The fact that he like recognizes. That Peter Brand was the key to this so quickly and like drills down to figure out what he's about. It's a little, I mean, it's a little fuzzy because it's like movie dialogue, but I do think it's really, I think it's an impressive aspect of Billy Bean that he's like able to be like, okay, what is the problem here? How do I solve the problem? Uh, That kind of thing, right? The the whole thing where he says at uh, at the start when we play our intro quote. Okay, what's the problem? What is the problem? I feel like that's such a a useful way to talk to a, like a, a dysfunctional team, right? Is to be like, can we all agree? We're like, what 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 we're trying to solve here? Can we all like get on the same page? Um, I've definitely heard that like in my job many times. You know, what is the problem? Can we explain that part at least? And I think this is a I think he's a, a pretty admirable from that perspective, even if he is kind of a crazy person in, in many other ways right he certainly has an anger problem he's very superstitious um he you know he's always chewing and spitting on things oh yeah know. i love uh, he's such a baseball player with how much he loves sunflower seeds and he's yeah. also w- will you know his biggest problem is that he refuses to let himself win he's always beating himself up blaming yes. himself for things that are not his fault and uh not allowing himself to feel that like victory even though that's like his big driving force that's what he wants so um yeah, yeah i think he's really compelling character and and a complex character uh and, and Brad Pitt does such a great job with him. It's so Pitt's good. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, but let's let's talk more specifically about baseball because this movie, I think, does point out some very good criticisms of this sport. One of the reasons I don't like baseball, besides that 
it's terribly boring, is that there's no <laughs> salary cap. It's literally pay to win. Um, wow. And when I say that, it's not literally pay to win, but it might as well be because the salary disparity can be pretty hilarious. This year, the Philadelphia Phillies uh, have on their 26-man payroll, so the 26 guys that are like currently playing for their roster, uh, they that payroll was $219 million. And the Oakland A's, who are still, you know, under 50 feet of crap uh, as far as like salaries go, have on their 26-man payroll just $31 million. So that's like multiple times less than, right, right. Uh, you know, the, the uh, Phillies. Almost, what, seven times more? I think that's, yeah. Right. Seven times as much money, yeah. Right, and the, the Phillies went 90 and 72 this year, and Oakland went 50 and 112, which, another problem with baseball, way too many games, okay? Play less games, okay? None of them matter <laughs> if you play that many games. Okay? They're all super long, and they, yeah, <laughs> and there's so many of them. <laughs> so... These these teams are at the extremes, and obviously I'm cherry picking numbers. There were definitely other teams that proved like that would uh, make this not as clear. But what I'm trying to say is that if you look historically at baseball, the winners are all big spenders, and especially teams with consistent success, they're the ones who have the money to be able to sustain that kind of thing. And in real life and in baseball, money doesn't buy happiness, but it can certainly help. Okay. It bought, yeah, it can buy you uh, comfort for sure. <laughs> right. And I think that's a big problem, especially because there are these huge disparities. Earlier, you were talking about how the owner doesn't seem to care about winning. There are owners in the MLB who are like, this is how much money I want to spend on baseball. That's it. Right. I have more money, but it's not important to me to drop $300 million a year on baseball. $60 million is tons of money. I'm going to leave it at that. And you can do what you want with that. We're still going to have people come root for us we're still gonna make money off of hot dogs and we're still gonna maybe make the playoffs every few years so we're fine right like right. that's that in you know that that's something you hate to have as an owner in any sport but especially in a sport where there's no salary cap that's basically just you're you're completely uh screwed because you you would need a miracle uh like somebody uh, <laughs> discovering Moneyball uh to be able to compete or to, to really be, you know, a title uh, contender at the very least uh, for one year and at the most for many years, right? That sustained success is, is almost impossible. And, um, you know, they, something that is a problem with this, though, is even though Moneyball is this kind of great equalizer for this film, we see that the Red Sox, their brain trust is now following that same methodology. And eventually everyone's going to know about this. So guess what? The playing field has now been, like that advantage has now been nullified and everyone's back to just who has the most money again. So even though this is a great kind of like David versus Goliath or David versus the Goliaths um, story, in the end, sure. the, that uh, kind of uh, equalizing factor is dissipated and the rich will return to having the advantage to the rightful place at the top exactly right and that's and that's just how it is in baseball and that's why i don't love it that's what that's why it's the most american sport right <laughs> it's also the way it is in like all the soccer leagues across the world and it's why you have teams like manchester city who were just bought they were a terrible team for a long time completely irrelevant and a bunch of oil barons just bought them up and they were like 
we want to use infinite money to make this team good. And then now they've won an unbelievable amount in recent memory. And that, to me, that's just, again, I, 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 they're still cool. They have great players and I love the players and all that stuff. It's a beautiful game. But it's kind of hollow because you're like, they literally paid to win. You know, they yeah. just became good all of a sudden because they injected cash and that that's all that matters. That's why the, you know, I love the NBA and the NFL, uh, especially the NFL. The NBA has a soft salary cap. The NFL has a hard salary cap. And uh, then it comes down to resource management, and everyone has the same resources. So that's really true strategy as opposed to just pay to win. Um, so that's why baseball sucks. Uh, that's the list of reasons baseball sucks. <laughs> um awesome yeah and finally one last thing before we can move on i love how they expose the media in this movie for being contrived and and largely bullshit nobody knows what goes on behind those clubhouse doors i mean sometimes they do if they're open about it but a lot of times that stuff is private and you'll hear the media talk on it anyways even they don't know what the hell they're talking about there's a very just they don't go over in detail but there's a part where billy's on the phone he's like who are their sources if it's not us you know, yeah. uh, and it's because they don't have sources. They just say per sources and they're like, oh, I have to hide my sources identity. Otherwise, they won't be my source anymore. It's like, OK, well, you made it up. Yeah, the, the, I had a dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that they did that. I mean, like they blame the front office when the team is doing poorly. They praise the coach when the team is playing well. You know, the media surrounding sports is a circus, which is why it's so great that it's decentralized now. Players are doing their own reporting. I don't know if you've seen the like uh, Jason Kelsey and uh, Taylor Swift's boyfriend uh, do a uh, podcast together because they're brothers and they both play sports and they just talk about what they're honestly feeling and that ends up being some of the most insightful stuff that you see as opposed to some you know uh, pencil head who's never played football before being like I think. Bill Belichick needs to get fired because, you know, who cares what your opinion is? You have the luxury of being able to sit at a desk and watch sports all day. So I guess you're probably more informed than me who has a a real job, but you, uh, you know, don't necessarily have any sort of insight that I want. So I'm not going to watch you. You have all these other independent media people for sports. And it's, I think been incredible. I've always thought that anytime I see a guy in a suit behind a desk, uh, on like ESPN, I'm like, how much does this guy get paid to like say to watch sports all day? You know, like what what is this guy bringing to the table? Oh, they should they should score more points than the other guys. They should uh you know they should throw the ball more or throw the ball less. Like I like I could do that. Like it's all like just basic pontificating. Nobody you just say what everyone else is saying or say the opposite of what everyone else is saying, and it's, it doesn't seem that hard at all. So. Um, yeah, I've never, I guess I've never taken that seriously. It's, well, it's gotten even worse now because there is so much decentralized sports stuff. Right. Like I have my guys that I go to that I feel like give me good, no nonsense analysis and things like ESPN and all these other broadcast television networks that do sports 24 seven have to go for the most clickbait things. So they have so-called analysts who will say blatantly false and objectionable things and call them hot takes and spend the whole day arguing with people who are clearly correct they're more (laughs) right than that but they're willing to stand their ground and be like "Uh uh-uh technically if you look at it this way i'm my three hundred thousand dollars a year tells me that i can stay on this i can stay on this hill until i die (laughs) which once you realize it you're like no it's not worth it even though you know because you're i'm a sports nerd like i'll hear a, a take and i'm like no 
no, that can't be said. Someone has oh, to tell yeah. him he's wrong. You know, I, I, like, <laughs> I love that, dude. No, someone's wrong on the internet. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. It's it's they're used as a kind of uh, they're kind of a side point in this movie. Honestly, it's not a big part of it. But um, you know, it just I'm going to get on my soapbox and say that traditional sports reporting generally sucks. Uh, more power to the podcasters. More power to the just decentralized reporters. Uh, go look at go listen to He's Done It podcast to get your uh, sports news. So um, okay. That is the end of our overall section. We'll move on to our cool Easter eggs. Joey, what you got? I found these on ScreenRant.com. They had uh, of interesting fact checked for this movie. Um, one of the things I learned was that Art Howe, the uh, manager of the team, was largely on board with Billy Bean's strategy. When they came, when he came to him and said, "This is what I want to do," um, he worked with him to to do what he wanted to do, basically. Um, and so the it's largely uh fictionalized for this story philip seymour hoffman's uh, apathy and like antagonism is largely uh made up and uh the real art hal really doesn't appreciate that <laughs> he's like he said like i can't believe this is how my boss feels about me like that like th- this is this is how it threw how funny um, was it to see philip seymour hoffman in that baseball uniform i know and he showed up and i was like just in the middle there like wait has he been there this whole time <laughs> Well, also, how funny is it that in baseball, the coaches wear uniforms like they're a player? I think that's so funny. Um, (laughs) Like, I mean, you can get into the whole sports psychology and probably say it's ridiculous as a fan to wear a shirt with someone else's name on the back. But I still think it's hilarious that he's like, I'm number 19. (laughs) I'm on the team, even though I never never play. Um, the same thing is largely true for uh, Grady, the head scout. Um, even though Bean and Grady did argue about their like direction and everything, uh, and Grady did leave in 2002, he they were left on like amicable terms, um, and ended up returning to Oakland in 2010 to work for Billy again. So um, they you know they they always had like a, a very professional uh, relationship, one that they uh, kind of left off amicably, um, as opposed to what we see in the movie. Peter Brand is based on Paul de Podesta. Uh, unlike the timid and unathletic Harvard-educated Brand, de Podesta was a confident athletic Yale graduate who had played both football and baseball in college. Brand is depicted as being poached from the Cleveland baseball team, now called the Guardians, um, by Bean in 2002. In reality, de Podesta had been there with the Oakland A's since 1999, and Brand is accurately depicted as applying the concepts of sabermetrics, sabermetrics with Bean to build a team of undervalued players, but the relationship is more collaborative than shown in the film. So they kind of went with the, uh, they put him a nerd face, essentially. They, uh, <laughs> they, they made him, they're like, oh, we need a nerd here. And this guy is not nearly nerdy enough because he's actually played sports and is also smart. So we'll just, uh, you know, we'll bring in some nerd and, uh, and we'll, we'll pretend that he came up with it. So It's funny uh, I, because I, I enjoyed both of those kind of uh, changes. I thought that having the coach be kind of a villain and also having like the jock plus nerd friendship was really great. And these, the, neither of those things are real. I feel like it does add it is adds a lot to the like the film going experience I think. I think it's I don't necessarily like I don't have a necessarily problem with them making this change, but it does alter like the way that you view Moneyball or at least the way that Moneyball is or Sabermetrics is applied to, you know, the uh, wider world of sports, right? Like, oh, like um we need a nerd in here to fill, figure this out when like 
in fact, it was a guy that's been in the like industry for a long time, and like he kind of developed this over years or whatever, and then then you know they they had worked together for a long time. So it was a um, yeah, I think it works better for like the narrative, but I do think it does it changes my view a little bit about how Moneyball was perceived when it was first um, implemented in baseball. Yeah. Uh, all right, I've got a few cool Easter eggs. So first one, since there was no money to shoot in all the different stadiums that the uh, Oakland Athletics visited in this film, Dodger Stadium was dressed up as eight different ballparks. That's really cool. Yeah, that worked on no me. Idea. I was convinced. <laughs> wow, baseball. <laughs> when Chris Pratt auditioned for the role of Scott Hattieberg, he was told he was too fat. Pratt decided to lose weight before the role was cast. And he said, I'd check maybe once a week. I'd say, they cast it yet? And I would just keep working out. Finally, I got in good enough shape that I took a picture of myself and sent it to my agent. And obviously, that worked. He ended up getting the role. Uh, Which means that Moneyball was really the movie that got us going with Chris Pratt as muscular guy who's in every movie as opposed to chubby, funny guy. We went from fat Pratt to hot Pratt. Yes. So you're saying the effects of Moneyball is still happening. You know, Chris Pratt was like, <laughs> what if I do something that nobody wants? You know, nobody, everyone is saying, no, don't do this, Chris Pratt. Don't become a muscular, uh, like skinny guy. <laughs> Stay chubby, fat Pratt, you know? And he's like, no, it's, you know, I'm going to do this. And then, uh, you know, he ends up... Uh, oh, right, becoming wildly successful. Wildly wow. successful. Yeah. <laughs> that... Sh- that is another screenplay here. Oh, we can just lift this screenplay and apply it there. Call a movie like a, Fat What would Pratt. you call that? Exactly. It's like, like Moneyball 2 is just about Chris Pratt. Like trying to apply for the job of Moneyball. <laughs> that would be great. And then you have um uh and then you have Bennett Miller like in the movie have bennett miller direct the film but also be in it and have scenes of he's him. played by by um by brad pitt yes <laughs> no he's played by nicholas cage and he's <laughs> there's scenes of him uh you know trying to film the movie in moneyball 2 i'm trying to do a uh adaptation thing here oh i see i see <laughs> <laughs> go uh, go listen to our series about charlie kaufman anyways um so speaking of uh bennett miller uh director bennett miller was so impressed with karis dorsey when she sang the show by lenka during her audition that he not only cast her in the as the protagonist's daughter but let her sing the 2008 song twice in the movie which is set in 2002 sacrificing its historical authenticity I see. Yeah, Amazon was not about to let me forget this. Uh, the Amazon X-ray. They're like, did you notice that that's not that's actually not historically accurate? I hate the goofs. <laughs> Leave all the goofs out. Yeah. I only want the general trivia and like all that stuff. The goofs mean nothing to me. I don't give a shit that like somebody's eye, like somebody was looking the wrong direction right. or their shirt is a different color in one scene from another. That means nothing. My favorite thing about Amazon X-ray is it tells you what actors are on screen right now. Yes, that is I like ooh, that superb. All right, last cool Easter egg. Bill James, noted as the statistical influence for the main character's analysis, is regarded by many to be the father of sabermetrics. The study of advanced baseball statistics is named after the Society of American Baseball Research, which acronym is SABER, uh, an, an organization to which James and other sabermetrics pioneers belong. The film puts a heavy emphasis upon on-base percentage, uh, OBP, 
though concepts like WOBA, FIP, and BABIP are not mentioned, which uh, those are acronyms for which we need not uh, you know, spell them out since I'm sure right, because we so all know obvious them, what they are. Right? Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure one of those has to do with defense. I did watch like a video about sabermetrics and how it's not just on base percentage. It's, it goes deeper. Right. Of that. course. So, okay, those are all our cool Easter eggs, and that is going to conclude our conversation on Moneyball. As we do at the end of every episode of Apple Chat, we'll now deliver our ratings. I'm actually going to go first on this one. I'm going to... Well, before you do, I just want to say that it's finally happened. After five and a half years, you've finally taken the wind out of my sails and, and, and been like, yes, I'm more right about the movie than, than, Joe, than Joey is. Ah, yes, the, uh, the apprentice has become the master, yeah. Um, no, I thought this was great. I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad that uh, you had all this because I, I think you've convinced me that there's stuff that i missed here so i appreciate that well I, I appreciate you saying that and i appreciate you getting me to the point where that's even possible uh because i definitely would not be here without your tutelage so uh yeah awesome everybody wins um <laughs> so the my rating for this film i'm going to give this movie a big shiny trophy in the shape of a brain uh you know that honestly <laughs> would have been the visual we needed at the end of this film to really yes. clinch it you didn't win the ring but you did win the brain <laughs> the, which we've just invented for this for for this season <laughs> all right joey what about you I give this movie being recruited by the Oakland A's because I hit, get hit by the ball more than any other player in the MLB. <laughs> <laughs> he gets on base, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he gets on base. That's amazing. Some sort of ball magnet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that's it for Moneyball. Joey, what's next on Apple Chat? Next, we are doing 2001, A Space Odyssey, which... I don't know if you've, <laughs> listeners, if you pay close attention to what we promised at the end of these episodes, but we did promise this a long time ago, and for some reason, that doesn't exist, but uh, <laughs> did, this time it will. It will sure. definitely exist, for sure. <laughs> you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Afflechat.com is your new favorite website on the internet. There you can find the latest from us and all our social media accounts, and even our email address, afflechat at gmail.com. If you like this episode, then tell a friend about it. All you have to say is, <laughs> all you have to say is, there are good podcasts, there are bad <laughs> podcasts, there are fifty feet of crap, and then there's affable chat. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, that's gonna do it for this episode. For affable chat, I'm Benjamin, and I'm Joey. Thanks for listening.